0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Crosstime Podcast. This is our Thursday edition for week 16, February 2nd of 2023. Uh, I'm your host, Karsten. Uh, this is our, our Thursday show where we do the franchise focus segment of our show. And basically what this is, is we take some time to spend a little more time talking about one franchise in particular. Uh, we've been doing this in alphabetical order by uh, team mascot, I guess is the word you'd use. Uh, We started with the Sixers, then the Milwaukee Bucks and the Bulls, the Cavaliers, the Celtics. The last one we did was the uh, L.A. Clippers. Today we'll be talking about the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, And with that, we'll talk about their current team, their direction, how they're kind of looking going forward. We'll also pick a historic team from their franchise's history to uh, give some time to and talk about. And then we'll also talk about a uh, a legend from that franchise's history uh, that we want to highlight as well. So uh, the goal of this is to give a little bit more time to each individual franchise. um, Because I know at times with uh, shows where we're talking about the NBA day to day and uh, the general trends, we can sometimes focus on the teams that are the best in the NBA Um, A little bit of time for teams that are underperforming that we expected to do well. And then some of those teams that in the current season are kind of middle of the road or struggling a lot don't get a ton of attention. So this is to hopefully make up for that a little bit, kind of bridge that gap. Um, So that's the intent with this franchise focus. But first, of course, we should do our game summaries, make sure we're caught up on the latest uh, NBA action. Uh, And we'll start doing that right now. So this is Wednesday's action, February 1st. Uh, There was eight games in total. One of them, uh, the ninth game was postponed. We'll get to that in just a second. Firstly, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers defend home court against the Orlando Magic. They'd given up a game against Orlando a couple days ago, I believe. Excuse me. Um, But they uh, make up for that. They win this uh, next game against them. Um, And a fairly... Solid all round game for the Sixers. Not too much of a, I mean, the, the magic were competitive, but the Sixers, uh, you know, definitely rebounded from that rough game last time out to get this one, uh, for the magic, not bad performances, uh, kind of an off game for bank the rookie, he only had 13 points, nine rebounds, uh, Franz Wagner also with 13 points. Their leading scorer was Marco Fultz, 18 points. Of course, him playing in Philadelphia is a small wrinkle of the storyline. The wounds from that are kind of healed for both player and team. Uh, But that's still something worth noting, I suppose. Nice little game in his return there. Um, Also, 13 boards for Wendell Carter Jr. Three other guys with 11 each, Gary Harris, Jalen Suggs, and Cole Anthony. Uh, But for the Sixers, Embiid and Harden just played their game, and they had some nice support to get the win here. 28 points, 11 boards for Embiid, 26 points, 10 assists for James Harden, 16 for Tobias Harris, and 10 off the bench for Maxie. And uh, they get the win against the the Magic. So that's the first game. Uh, Next, the Portland Trailblazers win on the road in Memphis against the Grizzlies, who continue to have a bit of a slide. Uh, the Trailblazers win this 122 to 112 uh, and Lillard outduels Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies actually held leads for much of this game led by as much as 12 early in the first quarter 10 lead changes throughout but then the Blazers run away with it in the last few minutes uh, for the Grizzlies 32 points 12 assists for John Morant uh, 10 boards for Xavier Tillman starting at center instead of uh, Steven Adams who's still out with that injury. Uh, 18 points for Jaron Jackson Jr., 17 for Desmond Bain. Uh, But for the Trailblazers, Lillard, great game in this one. 42 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds, including 15 of 16 from the free throw line. Um, He also had 26 points from Anthony Simons and 18 from Jeremy Grant, as well as 11 points, 11 boards from Drew Eubanks off the bench. He's been a nice piece for Portland this season as they get the win here in Memphis. Next, the Boston Celtics uh, easily handle the Brooklyn Nets at home. They route them 139 to 96. Uh, not much of a contest. Boston led big throughout. They almost led by uh, 50 points. They led by 49 uh, at one point in this game. Just uh, a pretty dominant game from beginning to end. Kyrie led the way for the Nets, 20 points, in this one, 19 for Cam Thomas off the bench and 12 for Joe Harris uh, in the starting lineup. That was their leading scorers. But for the Celtics, uh, six guys in double figures, Tatum leading the way as you'd expect with 31 points, nine rebounds, uh, two steals and a block, 26 points for Jalen Brown, 14 points, 10 rebounds for Derek White, uh, 16 points for Robert Williams, a third and nine rebounds. And, uh, Brogdon and Cornette also in double figures as the Celtics get that nice win against, uh, Brooklyn rather next, the Houston Rockets win at home against the Oklahoma city thunder 112 to one Oh six, uh, and some nice games from both Eric Gordon and Terry Eason. Uh, yeah, competitive throughout, um, Rockets held nice leads at the end of the first going into the beginning of the third. Thunder took the lead at the end of the third, but then the Rockets took the lead back and ended up winning the game. For the Thunder, uh, 24 points, eight boards, three steals for Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 20 points for Josh Giddy, 18 off the bench for Trey Mann, and 13 off the bench for Kenrich Williams, uh, their leading scores. For the Rockets, fairly similar, 20 points, 13 boards off the bench for Terry Eason. I think that's a career high in rebounds, certainly, maybe even in points. Uh, 25 points in the starting lineup for Eric Gordon, uh, 18 for Kenyon Martin Jr., and uh, 11 for Josh Christopher, 10 points, 12 boards for Alperen Shangoon, as the Rockets get that nice win against the Thunder. Next, this one was an overtime affair. I did predict that... um, this Wolves Thunder game, or not Wolves Thunder, Wolves Warriors, what could be an interesting game, and it ended up being an overtime game where the Timberwolves beat the visiting Golden State Warriors one nineteen to one fourteen in Minnesota. Um, yeah, pretty back and forth, seventeen lead changes throughout. Warriors had the biggest lead of the game at fourteen early in the fourth quarter, but then the Wolves storm back to force overtime, and they win the game in overtime for the Warriors. Curry, great game. 29 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh, 18 points for Jordan Poole, uh, 14 for Clay Thompson, 16 for Andrew Wiggins, uh, 10 each for Draymond Green and Jonathan Kaminga. Green also had 12 rebounds in this one. Uh, but for the Timberwolves, it was D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards leading the charge. 29 for Russell, 27 for Edwards. 24 points, 13 boards for Nas Reed. I've liked what he's brought off the bench for them uh, the last couple of seasons, especially this season in relief of either Gobert and or Carl Anthony Towns, depending on the night. Um, 12 boards as well for Kyle Anderson, and then 10 points off the bench for Austin Rivers as the Timberwolves get a win against the the Warriors. And the the Timberwolves now have the lead over the Warriors in the standings, so a big win for them. Uh, They might have had it before that, but they've uh, expanded that lead. Next, the Sacramento Kings beat the San Antonio Spurs in San Antonio, 119-109. to 109. Uh, Sabonis, uh, he's, excuse me, he scores a season high in points in this game, and the Kings, there was a couple lead changes early, but the Kings uh, controlled this game for the most part throughout. For the Spurs, it was Malachi Branham, the rookie with 22 points off the bench to lead the way. Two guys with 18, Jakob Pertl and Keldon Johnson. Pertl also had 12 boards in this game. uh, And 19 points for Josh Richardson as well. Uh, But for the Kings, Sabonis, 34 points. Again, a season high. 31 points, 10 assists for Darren Fox. Sabonis also had 11 rebounds, two steals, and two blocks. 22 off the bench for Malik Monk, a guy that gets some uh, consideration in the sixth man of the year race and 14 in the lineup, starting lineup for Harrison Barnes as they get that win in San Antonio and continue to strengthen their uh, standing in the Western Conference. Next, my team, the Utah Jazz. They beat the Toronto Raptors in Utah. Um, Walker Kessler has a big game in this one. He continues to impress as a rookie. Um Toronto kept things very competitive, but the Utah uh, Jazz just able to come out with the victory. For Toronto, they had six guys in double figures, the leading guy being uh, the former All-Star, Fred Van Vliet, 34 points, 11 assists, 12 rebounds, monster triple-double there. 20 points for Gary Trent Jr. and 21 points, 10 boards for Pascal Siakam, 18 points, 14 boards for Scotty Barnes, and 13 points for Precious Achua. So their starters did a great job. Chris Boucher had 16 off the bench uh, for the jazz. They just matched that effort. They had 28 and 13 boards from marketing uh, 23 points for Jordan Clarkson, 19 for Mike Conley, 12 off the bench for Colin Sexton, 14 off the bench for Malik Beasley. Those two guys kind of the double headed six man tandem for the jazz and uh, Walker Kessler We mentioned him 17 points 14 boards and seven blocks. Uh, so, incredible game. He continues to be, uh, you know, cementing his place as that starting center uh, and one of the best rookies in the league. So, great game for him and a great game for the Jazz to get that win. Excuse me. Finally, the uh, Atlanta Hawks win in Phoenix against the Suns, 132-100. to 100. Um, Massive win for Atlanta. They get back to 500 uh, they never trailed in this game. They're led by as much as 43 at one point. Um, for Phoenix, they were led by Mikhail Bridges again, 23 points. Uh, 20 points from DeAndre Ayton, 11 for Saric and 10 for Damian Lee. Chris Paul only with three points, kind of a disappointing game for him. Uh, for the Hawks, though, their backcourt gets it done. 21 for DeJounte Murray and eight assists, 20 points and 12 assists for Trey Young. Uh, DeAndre Deandre Hunter adds 15 points of his own, 10 boards for Capella, 11 boards for Jalen Johnson off the bench, and uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, 18 points, Onyeka Kungu 17 points. So nice, uh, fairly balanced attack there for Atlanta as they get the win against the Suns. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, we were supposed to have an additional game, the Wizards playing in Detroit against the Pistons. However, that game, as we mentioned last time, has been p- postponed due to travel issues relating to whether in Dallas, where the uh, Pistons had just played, they were unable to get to uh, home to then host the Wizards that night, uh, or that next day, which, is, which was yesterday. So, that game's been postponed, uh, has yet to be rescheduled. Uh, I'm sure within the next week or two, we'll have more word on when that game will be scheduled. But otherwise that's it for our uh, game summaries from last night's action. Next, uh, some key news. This is mainly in the category of honors and uh, you know awards, that type of thing. Uh, firstly, Denver's head coach, uh, Michael Malone has officially been named coach of team LeBron for the all-star game. Uh, that announcement came uh, a few days after um Joe Mazzulla was announced as the coach for Team Giannis simply because uh, the Nuggets and the Grizzlies were pretty close to the standings there in the West. Um, but the Nuggets have separated themselves; they've officially, you know, landed that top spot, and that earns Michael Malone that head coaching spot for the All Star Game for Team LeBron. So, congratulations to him. That's a well deserved honor based on what the teams have done, and uh, include you know going further with honoring what the Nuggets and Coach Michael Malone has done. The NBA also announced their monthly honors. Uh, firstly, the Coaches of the Month, uh, Doc Rivers in the East, and the aforementioned Michael Malone in the West. Uh, they've been named NBA Coaches of the Month for what they and their teams have been able to do. So, again, congratulations to Malone, but also to Doc Rivers. The Sixers had a great month this past uh, past month, of course. Next, for the Rookies of the Month, those will be Paolo Bancaro and Keegan Murray, uh, Bancaro of the Orlando Magic and Keegan Murray of the uh sacramento kings named rookies of the month in the east and west respectively congratulations to both those players They continue to be uh standout rookies from this class finally the nba players of the month for the east it's joel Embiid of the sixers and for the west it's nicole Jokic of the nuggets the two best centers in the nba both earning players of the month honors in the east and the west so congratulations to those guys and congratulations to all these guys for being honored for what they have been able to do over the past month uh, and really the whole season. And that takes care of our key news. Again, no no real injury uh, news to note, although I should double check as far as transactions. I did, I did not check that uh, before we did the show, but we can check that real quick. I don't think there was anything huge as far as tranja- transactions. No, it doesn't appear anything new since uh, yesterday's Phoenix transactions. Uh, so that's it for our key news for sure. Let's go ahead and now jump to our franchise focus, the main, uh, main items for this episode today. And firstly, we just talk about the Grizzlies' current team and their direction. And I feel like it'll be very comparable to what we talked about with uh, the Bucks and the Sixers somewhat, um, the Celtics to an extent, the Cavs a little bit, in the sense that this is a team that was – you know, five five or six years ago coming off of uh, the end of one era and they were in a rebuild period. But now this team has, you know, fully built itself as a uh, competitive playoff team in the West at least and at most potentially a, you know, uh, contending hopeful in that Western Conference, at least trying to get to that Western Conference finals, maybe even the finals, depending on how things go for the team in the playoffs. Um, but it's just been a steady ascent they've built, but it's also, uh, you know, been a, a kind of a quick turnaround at the same time. Um, you look at 2018, they were 22 and 60, you know, they were starting to sell house and uh, or cl- clean house and uh, trade off guys. That was through 2018 and 2019. Uh, Mike Conley and Mark Gasol, the last kind of stalwarts from the grit and grind era, were sent off to... Uh, Toronto and Utah respectively. Um, And then they, you know, got a good position in the draft lottery. They pick John Morant. uh, And since then they've been a team that's been uh, in honestly in playoff contention. I mean, 2019, they were 33 and 49 still building. Um, They, after that season, they hire Taylor Jenkins as head coach and he's been a steady part of this team building In 2020, they were in the Orlando bubble and they actually had a, uh, you know, the first official play in game with the trailblazers to have the chance of being that eighth seed. They lost to the trailblazers, but that was the, the one play in game that season that opened up the play in tournament for the next season, but, uh, they didn't necessarily need it the next season. They, I think they were, uh, I don't know, they were an eighth seed. Um, so they were in the play in tournament in 2021, um, they lost the first round to the Jazz, but then the very next year, they had um, maybe their best season in franchise history. Yeah, tied with the thir- 2013 Grizzlies for their best record in their franchise's history. 56 wins in uh, last season. They got to the conference semifinals against the, uh, uh, the Golden State Warriors. And this season, they're continuing that uh, solid play. They're second in the West right now behind the Nuggets. And uh, it's just kind of that same story of this team's built and it's, you know, built uh, patiently, but it's come, come around very quickly. They've got a lot of young talent. Um, two of those guys are already in in the top 12 in franchise win shares. Brandon Clark and John Morant are both in the top top 12, which is pretty remarkable. Um, but you look at the current team, there's a lot to like. Of course, the aforementioned John Morant, uh, I think he should be somewhere in that MVP conversation. Um, he's probably not going to get a ton of credit as far as there's a lot of guys ahead of him with Jokic, uh, Embiid, Doncic, Durant, Giannis, all those names. Uh, a lot of them, the East Conference, Eastern Conference names are getting kind of that recognition. Um, but Morant is an MVP caliber player uh, of his own. Then you add Desmond Bain, who's taken another step and has sort of become a Clay Thompson-esque sidekick to John Morant, Steph Curry, totally different games. Uh, And they're still, you know, Desmond Bain's not as good as Clay Thompson quite yet, but, you know, Bain is a great three-point shooter. Morant, more of a a Derek Rose type. Those are two, you know, dynamic guys to have as your backcourt tandem. Dylan Brooks is kind of that uh, Draymond Green-esque player in the sense that he's an irritant and he's also an emotional leader but he can also play solid basketball along those guys. He can put some points in he can rebound and, you know, work within the offense. Steven Adams, unfortunately, he's out with injury right now, but when he's in the lineup, he's that rebounding force inside and he, you know, is smart. He works well with the offense. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. Emerging as a defensive player of the year, potentially a front runner, certainly a candidate, uh, 3.3 blocks per game. I believe that leads the league right now. Um, almost seven boards and he can also add in the points he's shooting 36% from 3. That starting lineup is stout and that I would put that up against just about anybody in the NBA. And they've got a great bench too. Tyus Jones who early on looked like a bit of a a, a miss from, you know, coming out of Duke, but he's found his own role. He's carved out a niche, a niche as a uh, great backup point guard and a great reliever in the times where they have not be, uh, had John Morant. You have Conchar, who's a nice little, you know, shooting guard off the bench. Uh, Brandon Clark is probably the, their best bench piece, a dynamic, you know, forward who can play a bit of center. Aldama's emerging too with that stretch ability. And Zyra Williams, the the rookie, has some ability. You know, they can go nine or 10 deep and, play very well and they've still got some intriguing pieces they've barely had the services of Danny Green a seasoned veteran uh, a very welcome veteran presence along with Steven Adams to help this core of a lot of younger players Um, Xavier Tillman who has been a spot minutes guy I like his physicality he can bring them some size when they need it Um, and then you know still some younger guys alongside of him David Roddy Jake Laravia both Uh, rookies who are getting some minutes and they're doing some things, but they're certainly not getting uh, the time time they might normally get because this is a a competitive team and a deep team. Um, And so they've got a lot of great pieces. They've built well through the draft um, and the occasional trade. And there's not really much more I can say other than this team, barring uh, serious injuries or, you know, Four trades, losing guys in free agency, barring any of those things, this team should be a top team in the Western Conference for many years to come. And again, we'll knock on wood. Um, Hopefully nothing bad happens to this team. For my sake, uh, you know, it's kind of, I don't know about sad, but. The, there was a possibility of a little bit of a Jazz-Grizzlies rivalry with them pl- beating the Grizzlies a couple years ago in the playoffs, but uh, the Jazz, of course, now in the rebuilding phase of their own, but um, yeah, great Grizzlies team, organization, their, co- their coach has been doing things well, doing them the right way, and uh, they're in a great position to be a contending team this year. Um, and in all honesty, you look at the franchise history for the Grizzlies, they've been, you know, kind of average competitiveness as far as, you know, making the playoffs versus not making the playoffs. Um, And a little less than half their seasons, they've made the playoffs in some form or another. Um, What kind of taints the Grizzlies as far as, when you think of their franchise history, sometimes they have a bit of an aroma of a losing organization. I think that mainly stems from their Vancouver days. Of course, they were born into the NBA as the Vancouver Grizzlies in 1995. They played their first six seasons there. And in those six seasons, they never won more than 23 games in a season. Uh, And they had some truly abysmal teams. I mean, that 1999 squad Eight wins, forty-two losses. Of course, that was a shortened season. Um, they probably would have been lucky to win twelve or thirteen games that year, even with you know if it was a full schedule. And um, yeah, you know, coaching changes, draft picks that weren't didn't always pan out. They had Sharif Abdurrahim, who was solid, um, but then they moved to Memphis and they get more in the vein of a you know solid franchise. Uh, as soon as they go to Memphis, they Start building, and they get into the playoffs. They fall out of the playoffs for a little bit into a rebuilding period, and then they go into the grit and grind era, uh, and then they now go into the era we know that for the uh, we know them for today. Excuse me. And so overall, the Memphis Grizzlies—you discount the Vancouver years. Memphis Grizzlies have had competitive teams. We know the grit and grind era; they're a little more physical. Um, one of the teams that gets kind of forgotten is that um, they, their early playoff. Era and actually i want to talk about the first year they made the playoffs and uh one of their better winning uh percentages and records in their franchise's history tied for fourth best in the franchise history and the best that's not from that grit and grind era or the current grizzlies and that is the 2003-2004 memphis grizzlies coached by hubie brown if you know Hubie Brown today, you probably know him from um, you know, different NBA broadcasts. I think he currently does uh ESPN's broadcasts, uh, or works with them mainly. Um, but yeah, he he also coached in his own right. He coached for a long time, actually. He coached uh in the 70s in the ABA. He was an ABA champion as a coach uh, with the Kentucky colonels coached with the Atlanta Hawks for several years. Uh helped them be fairly competitive, then coached with the Knicks during a very interesting era in the Knicks history. And then the last time he had coached before this Memphis job that he took in 2002 had been in 1987. Uh, and so it had been quite a while, but he got back into coaching, coached this Grizzly squad and coached them up to 50 wins. Their executive of course, is also to credit Jerry West, uh, the, the famed Laker great, who also was a great executive in his own right, helped rebuild the Lakers into a dynasty uh, and then has bounced around with a few different teams, helping them become competitive. And the Grizzlies were one of his stops in that journey. Um, they made the playoffs. They lost in the first round. It was a sweep to the Spurs. But for this, you know, the first taste of playoff basketball for the Grizzlies, I think is certainly worth noting. Uh, and they had a nice little mix uh, of a team here. Of course, the leader was um, the you know their third or fourth year forward, Pau Gasol, a clever big man. Um, I think that line, I remember that line from one of uh, Secret Base's videos talking about Paul Gasol, uh, one of Seth Rosen, Rosenthal's bits. But um, yeah, Paul Gasol, a great big who had, you know, score first type of a guy, but could defend very well, kind of a lanky. Um, you know, will later go on to become an NBA champion himself with the Lakers. Um, Jason Williams, white chocolate leading the point. Uh, after that trade from the Kings for uh, Mike Bibby. Nice little fit. And I think by this point he had matured and he wasn't just the the flashy pass, poor shooting guy. I mean, he still shot a lot of threes, but he was able to be a point guard for a a playoff type team. Um, So that was was a nice piece there. James Posey, decent enough, small forward, uh, could hit some shots. Lorenzen Wright starting at center, maybe not the greatest center, but he was serviceable. And then, you know, Mike Miller, excuse me, starting with, you know, that shooting, shooting stroke. You've got Bonzi Wells coming off the bench, a veteran scoring presence. Uh, Shane Battier, the defensive forward. And Stromile Swift, uh, one of the flashy dunkers from the early to mid-2000s. He's, he's got some great highlights. Uh, Earl Watson, a future coach as the backup point guard. Bo Outlaw, who's a interesting versatile kind of forward, um. So it's a nice little mix, you know. It certainly wasn't going to be a team that would be, um, ultra competitive in the playoffs. You know, you kind of expected a first round. May- maybe they make it out of the first round, probably lose in the second. Uh, unfortunately, in this case, they were swept in the first round. But, um, I, I you I want to recognize this because there's a lot of these you know building blocks types teams where they, you know, are starting to find their footing. Um, and most importantly it was again, the first taste of playoffs for this Memphis fan base of, you know, NBA basketball and that in itself was something very exciting. Um, one last note, they played their games at the pyramid arena, which is one of the more interesting arenas in NBA history. Currently it's a Bass Pro Shops in Memphis, but back in the day, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a pyramid on the outside and then you go inside and it's a basketball arena. And that's what it originally was built for. Uh, the university of Memphis also played there, formerly Memphis state. Uh, and yeah, kind of just an interesting overall history and team. Um, thought I would outline that a little bit. We of course mentioned Pau Gasol. He was the early star for the Grizzlies organization. They had some guys that were nice players. We mentioned Sharif Abdurrahim, Rahim. Bryant Reeves wasn't a bad center. Um, But Powell was really the first guy to become an an all-star, you know, consistent type player and be a franchise face. And he was in Memphis for several years before uh, the Lakers were able to swing a trade to bring him there and elevate the Lakers from a, you know, low playoff team with one of the best players in the league and a bunch of, you know, guys who were okay-ish that couldn't really do much in the playoffs – to now a team with Kobe Bryant and Pau Gasol, and they just needed to have the solid core around them to be competitive. Um So, it, you know, I believe it was 2007 that that trade was swung. Let me double check that. No, it was 2008. So that very season that they traded him, Pau Gasol would go on with the Lakers to the NBA Finals, where they lost to the Celtics. But it was still... You know, mid-season trade that changed the Lakers' fortunes, and then Memphis, of course, would kind of go into that rebuilding period. But there was a consolation in the sense that, as part of the Pau Gasol trade, they got back the uh, rights to Mark Gasol, his younger brother. And you know, one Gasol to another, he became the the new piece and the next star for the the maybe the greatest up to this point, greatest iteration, longest tenured streak of competitive Memphis basketball, the grit and grind era from, you know, the early 2010s to 2017-ish, you know, 2016, kind of in that era. So about five or six years, they were one of the best teams in the West. And Pau Gasol was, you know, the lead piece for that. He was not really a huge scorer across those years, those, you know, uh five or six years where they were really competitive in that western conference he only averaged about 15 points a game but his game was predicated on kind of the stuff all outside of the scoring as far as you know he was a solid not tremendous but a solid rebounding presence about seven and a half boards a game um but he was playing alongside a great rebounder in his own right zach randolph um he averaged three assists, so he's a nice – three and a half assists, a nice passing big, uh, helped their offense in that regard. And then he was a defensive presence, one, one and a half blocks, one steal. Uh, he wasn't necessarily your prototypical shot blocker racking up two, three blocks a game, but he was solid presence inside, and he was versatile enough to work within a team defensive, uh, you know, Presence, if that makes sense, and uh, his early playoff years, he actually was a little bit more of that. Uh, he, he would elevate that defense even further. I mean, he would average about two blocks a game. A game, excuse me, in the playoffs in those early years. Um, again, mentioned uh, Zach Randolph. He was the you know the big rebounding force along with Marcus all Randolph usually averaging ten or eleven rebounds a game. Uh, so that took some of Gasol's boards. Otherwise, I imagine Mark Gasol would average near nine or 10 rebounds a game. Um, so, yeah, just a stout presence for that team. Later in that lifespan, the last couple of years he was in Memphis, he even added a, a shooting wrinkle. He became a, a stretch big. That wasn't really part of his game for the first uh, eight or nine years he was in Memphis. And then the last two full seasons, he suddenly was taking three or four threes a game, draining. 34 35 percent of those uh and so it was a nice little uh addition tacked on to the end of his career in Memphis where he became a, a more of a scoring type guy uh to fit that offense but the team was in decline at that point of course in 2019 they trade him to, to Toronto where sort of like his brother but even better that very same year he goes to Toronto the Raptors go on and win a championship. Uh, the grizzlies fellow uh franchise that was added in 1995 and 95 it was the toronto raptors and the vancouver grizzlies that both entered the league at the same time and memphis trades their uh one of their key pieces to toronto to then go on to win their first championship while memphis is still uh chasing their own championship so kind of an interesting uh way that that works out i suppose um and for the rest of his career, he only played a couple more years. Of course, he played in 2020 with the Raptors, uh, led helped lead them to a conference semifinal. And then in 2021 with the Lakers, played uh, a lot of starting. He started a lot of games for them, and then they lost in the first round, and that was kind of the end of his career. I think he went and played a, f- a little bit overseas back in Spain, of course, his home country, um, as kind of the twilight to his career. But he was – uh a stout presence for the Grizzlies in total. He was a three-time all-star. He was a defensive player of the year in 2013, as well as all defensive that year as well. Um, And that was their best season uh, up to that point in franchise history. I believe 56 wins, 26 losses. They went to the conference finals versus the Spurs uh, got swept in the conference finals, but they were one of the best teams in the West. And uh, he was also two-time all NBA uh, and then again, we mentioned champion with the Raptors in 2019. So, relatively recent history. I'm sure most people knew this about pa- uh, Mark Gasol, knew how solid of a player he was. But um, sometimes you know it, and then you underappreciate it, or you forget it. So, just wanted to you know reiterate, give give some light again to Mark and what he was able to do for the Grizzlies and uh, how solid of a player he was overall. So. Um, With that, that takes care of our franchise focus for this week. Let's go ahead and wrap things up with our This Day in History fact. So February 2nd, we're going back just a couple of years to 2021. This is kind of a long one. So I'm going to grab a drink first so I'm able to make it through. All right. February 2nd, 2021, Toronto's Fred Van Vliet scores 54 points in a 123-108 to win against Orlando, and sets a trio of records in the process. Firstly, his scoring total is the most by an undrafted player in NBA history, besting Moses Malone's mark of 53 points versus the Clippers in 1982. Um, Should be noted that Moses Malone played in the ABA, and I believe he was drafted into the ABA, um, so maybe kind of a stipulation there, but... Uh, his 54 points were also the most in Raptors history, besting DeMar DeRozan's 52-point game against the Bucs in 2018. Additionally, Van Vliet also hit eight three-pointers in the first half, which set a franchise record for most three-pointers made in any half. The mark had previously been held by Danny Green versus Memphis in 2019 and Terrence Ross versus the Clippers in 2014. So... A lot of records set by Fred Van Vliet with a 54 performance, uh 54 point performance against the Orlando magic, uh, two years ago today. So that's our, this day in history fact for today. And that takes care of everything for our show. Uh, real quick, just want to thank you again for listening. Uh, tomorrow's show, we'll do our game summaries, our key news, get you prepared for the weekend and we'll also be celebrating our 50th episode of the podcast. So, uh, you know, congratulations to to all of us for making it to that milestone. Um, thanks again for listening to the show, supporting the show. We appreciate it. If you want to check out the Instagram page for the show, it's crossover across time, all one word on Instagram, uh, no caps, and we post content relating to the show itself as far as weekly mvps weekly predictions power rankings things of that nature but we also do our best to like and share content from all the other nba franchises uh nba history facts things of that nature uh so kind of your one-stop shop for all of your nba uh news and updates uh going forward so definitely recommend that again thanks for listening and we'll be back with you tomorrow